Hey, podcast world, it's Podcast Friday at FNO InsureTech, isn't it, Lee? Happy Friday, Rob. Happy Friday, Lee. I got to tell you, I love Fridays. Fridays are great. I mean, they are uh, a wonderful day. What I don't know what else to say about a good Friday. I'll say this about Fridays. I have one foot in my work and one foot in the weekend. And that's different than Monday how? Oh, ouch, Ba-doom. ouch. Are you here all weekend? Wow. You're all, you're all weekend. <laughs> we are back at you once again. You can't get rid of us. We're like a bad penny that <laughs> keeps coming back. And we have a show for you today that I think you're going to find not only informative, but kind of interesting and educational. Right. You know, whenever we started talking about the show, we started thinking, you know, what what are we going to talk about? How are we going to talk about this company? And then we thought, why don't we dive in a little deeper? Why don't we ask some questions about insurtechs and startups and what does it mean? And what does a Series A mean? What does what does seed money mean? You know, explain to our listeners really what what everything means. Right. And give them an idea of what it's like to be an insure tech, we're independent adjusters. Many of you who are our listeners are working for carriers, and we're very familiar with th- that particular silo that we work in right. and the challenges and the unique personalities of it. But none of us are really that familiar with tech companies. And I think that most insure techs would call themselves tech companies. And what's that like? And what's it like to be at tech companies working and providing and selling into the insurance world. Right. You know, it seems like it's such a uh, emotional roller coaster from concept to actual funding to actually implementing the actual product. So I, I'm interested to hear about that today and and see just, you know, what does it feel like to be a, a insured tech and, and what all do do you go through? And so we we invited Andy Greff, who is the CEO and founder, co-founder of Planner. Planner is a company that I met for the first time. I think we met for the first time at InsureTech and um, at this little stand-up pop-up booth that was smaller than your desk. But we ended up having a terrific conversation about his product, which my friend Lee, who knows this stuff, was super impressed with. Well, we were told by somebody, I don't remember Rob, but somebody told us, you've got to go check them out. You got to go check it out. It is a fantastic application. It's one of the new ways to inspect interior of the homes. And uh, we did. You know, we walked over there and we took about a five, 10 minute presentation and they were right. It really is a game changing technology. So listen today to not only about what we're going to ask them about the product, about the service, how it works, how its advantage and its benefit but also what it's like to be an insure tech guy. So without further ado, here is our interview with Andy Greff of Planner. Hey, podcast world. We're here for another exciting episode of FNO InsureTech. I am Rob Beller, also known as the... Lee, you just stepped on me. I apologize. That's That's... Lee, that's not okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was about to share an important insight that that I've been called the Rich Eisen 
of this podcast. <laughs> I'm glad I went ahead and stepped over that. I apologize. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's just move forward. Sorry, folks. We are excited today. We're excited today to have with us a an honest to God, true founder of a important up-and-coming insurtech in our industry. And that is Mr. Andy Greff from Planner. Hi, Andy. Hey, good morning. Where are you today? I am in downtown Austin, Texas right now. That's cool. Is Austin an insurtech hub? Not so much. <laughs> it's definitely a, a startup hub, but not not so much from an insure tech perspective there's some out there you know the the meetup is growing and growing but it's something we aspire to grow it here in austin is there a good infrastructure in austin for technology companies amazing absolutely amazing yeah austin is growing by leaps and bounds i don't know if you saw that apple is going to establish another headquarters here every day right. we see new companies tech companies moving here mainly because there's so many technologists here, right? University of Texas just spits out thousands of computer science folks every year and St. Edwards and there's so many universities and then, and a lot of technologists are coming here. And frankly, there's a lot of a flight from California here as well, just because of the cost of living and way of life here is a little bit easier. Yeah, I know UT does a, a real good job, don't they? Very good job. Folks coming out there are pretty solid. Uh-huh. Well, we are just up the road from you, as you know, in Waco, Texas. I'm in Sacramento, California, where I'm coming from today. But we want to have a conversation with you about a wide range of things about your company, Planner. Can you give us uh, give us your elevator or whatever you want to call it on your company and, and what it is that you guys do? Sure, absolutely. So we are an insured tech startup out of Austin, Texas. We are a virtual claims company for interior property claims. We leverage augmented reality, computer vision, which is a fancy way of saying images coming through the camera and software, to automatically capture everything that a loss adjuster needs from inside the home. Photos, measurements, data, and context so that they can sort through and manage their claim process. Wow. You know, so... Andy, I first met you last year at InsuredTech, and I was really blown away at your platform and the and the software that you have. So really what you're telling us is that your platform takes photos directly from your smartphone, puts them through this uh, machine learning, I, I would say, and then spits out a product. You know, is that time consuming? How long does it take to actually get a product? Well, it's really interesting. We use a lot more than photos, actually. So we're using augmented reality. So that's, it's a totally new world out there. So augmented reality is, and I had to have this explained to me, you know, when I first started out doing this, but augmented reality is basically you're looking through the lens at the real world and the real world, and there's a different reality overlaid on top of the real world. Okay. So that's one aspect to it. So our solution is a person's using it on their smartphone. They go through and using augmented reality, they are effectively marking out the skeleton of a room. So you are pointing at corners, you're drawing lines, you are identifying damage, windows, doors. And as soon as you hit save, all of that data is instantly sent up to the cloud and a 3D model. The entire room or rooms is automatically digitized. 
it's automatically categorized, meaning we categorize it as floor, wall, window, door, uh, all the data in there. And it's all measured, okay? And so as soon as you hit save, you've taken a, a maybe a complex room, uh, multiple rooms, which may be a kitchen with an attached family room, and there's been water damage or small fire damage or something like that. All of that data is instantly sent up to the cloud. So the photos are captured automatically along with that as well, but it merges all those different technologies together, including computer vision, which is basically, if you think about computer vision, computer vision is, is starting to analyze the pictures that the camera is seeing and making decisions based on it. So that's everything that our system does. It's an enterprise solution. It's got an app and it's got a cloud so that you can go and have a distributed workforce. Think about it this way, Lee. If I have somebody, for example, you know, if, if Rob is in Sacramento and we needed Rob to go on site, we can dispatch Rob using Planner. He can go capture all the data because there's two parts to a claim. If you think about it, there's one, hey, I need to grab the context of the data. It's the data collection. And the second is the estimation and the evaluation where the brains come in and start looking at the data and evaluating, figuring it out. And so that first part is what we are trying to automate the data capture, data collection. So it's a virtual claims play. Absolutely. And trying to make it more efficient, more accurate. And I know from reading some of the information you have out there, speed is important to you. Speed is absolutely important to us because guess what? If we can speed up the adjuster's time on site, they can, A, do more adjusting. So in a CAT event where typical Loss adjusters, licensed adjusters are doing, what, four to five per day, depending upon how many hours they're putting in. If you can increase their efficiency, which we've seen, by 40%, then they can go out and do an extra 1.6 to 2 claims a day. That's more money in their pocket. That's more, from a carrier perspective, that's a, a massive customer sat improvement because their customers that are waiting for an adjuster to come by can now be handled quicker. So does it go faster? I mean, I've watched some of the videos of people using it. Is it faster than a measuring tape? We've approached this very scientifically, as you can imagine, because we're a bunch of propeller heads here over, right? And so we've literally put people side by side. And we will test them. Okay, here's your claim. Stopwatch. Go use a paper pencil, clipboard, laser, whatever your traditional methods are. And we'll stopwatch them. And then we'll say, okay. Now use planner and we'll reverse that too, just to make sure that we're mm -hmm. not getting any sort of data pollution because of, you know, maybe they understand the space better, but we'll go and time that people that go through our training. We have an e-learning site to go and learn this people that go through our training and then try the solution minimally save 40% on site. And that's the data capture. That's the measurement. It's a big number. That's a real big number. Real big number. And it's everything, right? It's the photo capture. It's the data capture. And I'm not even talking about back office efficiency changes. This is all time on site, data capture. Right. So the other interesting benefit of this is, and this is, by the way, this is an interesting side effect of doing the trials that we've done and working with uh, independent adjusters who have come in and we've signed them all up to go and use our system, is if you're going out and you're doing four to five claims a day, as part of a hurricane or tornado or, or wind damage or something like that. Then you're going back to your hotel. You're going back to your office. Usually these right. guys, they head back to their hotel, right, to go, go and wrap up all their work. All of that context is lost. 
You know what I mean? So you've got five things all buzzing around in your head trying to remember, you know, where was I? What did I do? What did I see? You know, what happened in this space? If you're looking at a piece of paper with coffee stains, mud stains, you know, maybe it's been on the bottom of your truck, floor bed, whatever. I mean, you've probably seen some of the crazy, right? If you've lost that context and your camera, which you've, you know, your little trusty eight megapixel camera, which you're taking pictures on, they just store it on an SD card and none of them are named appropriately. Then you've lost all the context of the space and you have to sit there, you know, after a long day and try to remember everything that you saw. And, you know, a lot of times the catastrophes, adjusters will go out and they'll do inspections for like five days. Multiple days. Multiple days and then write up things. And that's frightening, right? So to think that, you know, they have this kind of data to relate back to, but it's a real-time upload, isn't it, if that's chosen? So so all the data is immediately in the hands of the desk adjuster, wherever they may be, or the remote estimator. You know, one of the things about the CAD environments are, you know, cellular data is sometimes spotty, right? So our system works entirely offline if you want it to. So you can do all the data capture. And then whenever you get to Wi-Fi or get a better cell signal, you can hit upload. And then once you get that, then that immediately goes to the back end. What I thought was really interesting is the speed of time it takes from the upload to the back end. It is extremely fast to get these renderings and these 3D images. Am I right, Andy? That's exactly right. So versus, you know, when you're dealing with other like Eagle View, right, you have to wait, what, a day or two for the, the software to process and for you to get the drawings. For us it's all happening while you're on site and it's doing the determination ter- and you are kind of guiding it while you're on site. And then as soon as you hit upload, the 3D models and the output is generated. Yeah, that is different than a lot of insure tech companies and captures. You know, a lot of times there's rendering involved. There's the uh, human aspect that takes time. It could be minutes, it could be hours, it could be days. And this is a, I would almost venture say instantaneous in my view of it. So let me ask you a question about that, if I could. I'm going to turn this around for you on you guys for a second, because from a carrier perspective, is it interesting, and I have my opinions on it, but as soon as that person goes, let's say they're on that five-day CAT event, right, and they're going through and they're doing five or six a day, as soon as they leave the home or property, they hit save. And that information is automatically saved to the cloud where that information can be both shared with your, you know, maybe the 470 desk adjuster, but it also can be shared with the carrier themselves because there's been no, you know, this data is the data capture. It's not writing the estimate. So as soon as that person leaves, the carrier can be notified and with the information about what the adjuster captured while on site. So if that homeowner calls, the carrier can immediately look at this data that's been sent up and say, look, it looks like the, the adjuster left the home. They captured four rooms. It looks like this much square foot. I'm looking at the photos. And from a customer satisfaction perspective, there's no delay from when the uh, adjuster leaves and when the carrier is notified, right, given the current process. This is a real-time notification, a real-time kind of quality assurance for the carrier. So they can see the data that's been captured. The end result estimate isn't written yet, but they can see that and they can respond to a customer. And they can even share some of the 3D models or photos or anything else with the customer. And make sure that they're aware of the process. So do you guys see a lot of that being asked by the carrier to say, hey, where are we in the process? My customer's calling. What's going on? Do you hear a lot of that on your side? We do. So we hear a, we don't get asked 
can you update the data for the loss in real time necessarily? But we get asked all the time, what's the status? Mm -hmm. Where are we going? What can I tell the insured? Information like that. And by having a platform like this that can push data back to answer the questions before they're even asked is very, very important. We really believe in giving a full experience to the client of, uh, we want to answer your questions before you ask them. We want Mm. you to have the data. We want you to have the knowledge or at least the know-how of where to go to find the answer if needed, right? And this is a a great platform. So yes, it's very, very important. And that's why speed matters because Mm -hmm. if it goes fast, then from a customer experience standpoint, a customer doesn't have the opportunity to become curious and wonder and get nervous and everything else. So sure, absolutely. Can I ask you another question from a carrier perspective? What's the most important thing for them when it comes to this claim, right? Is it customer satisfaction? Is it time to respond? What do you think carriers are most looking for? Well, that's a great question. And we've spent years and years and years and years thinking about this, honestly, and we still do. And even though your business and our business are entirely different. They're obviously intertwined and our customers are pretty much the same, pretty much the same and um, certainly our end customer. And so what we've identified is, is that there's not one thing. There are three and those things are pillars inside of our company that if you come to our office, you see it in many places and there's many people in our company that can recite them but it's speed, accuracy, and control. Mm. Those are the three things that a carrier wants from us. And I think by extension from, from you too, they want you to go fast, right? You know that one of the foundations of your product is it's accurate, incredibly accurate, and it keeps the carrier in control. I mean, that's when the carriers have the 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 biggest issues and the biggest concerns is when the control of the claim slips away. And so that's how we would answer that question. Don't you agree, Lee? Absolutely. I mean, those pillars are really it. They want to know at pretty much any moment what's going on, but they need an accurate product and they want it quick. Without one of the three, we lack in customer control. So I think, yeah, Rob, Rob hit it on the head there. So Andy, I have a question for you. How do you get from wherever the heck you came from, which wasn't the insurance world or insurance solutions, to planner? That's a great question. I am, what, 23 years in the business of software. So I've been doing everything from programming. I'm not proud of it. My programming is not very good. I wouldn't use any of it, but I know how to, <laughs> I know how to do it. I actually graduated from Notre Dame with a finance degree and I didn't use any of that. So I went immediately <laughs> into software and just working from consulting and learning kind of from the ground up. I mean, either from the data center down to the browser or to the app or, and, and vice versa. So I, I understand everything in between on the software side. And so I've done this for telecommunications. I've done this for healthcare. Uh, I've done this for media and entertainment with folks like WWE and NFL But at the end of the day, there's a lot of, and now insurance, but at the end of the day in enterprise software, there's a lot of um, threads that are consistent across all of them, right? Performance, making sure you align up with some of the key initiatives going on at companies, security, 
ease of use, things like that. And that's really where my expertise is in the enterprise software side. So I've sold it, I built it, I marketed it, I've done all of the things. And now I'm uh, running a software company that caters to the insurance world. And what we saw in the insurance world was a real big need. We saw a couple things, and, and you guys are on the tip of the spear on this, but we saw a there's a large need in the license adjuster space. There's a lot of folks that are aging out on this space. Not many people are going into the adjusting world because it's frankly, it's a tough job, right? Being on the sure. road a lot. You're, right. you're, you're seeing a lot of uh, heartache and damage, right? And I would say having never done this, it, it feels like a very tough emotional job. And then, you know, if you're on the road six months out of a year, it, it's right. challenging, right? And so a lot of the folks coming out of school or, or graduating today are, are, that's a tough thing to ask them to do, right? Right. And so you're seeing a lot of aging out. So we saw that as a number one, that's a big market or big issue right now, the aging out. And frankly, the backfill is not there for that market. Number two, we saw just, it seems like some of the industry data will back it up, but there's more catastrophes that are happening. Wildfires, hurricanes, tornadoes, hail damage, wind damage, things like that. And it seems like that is starting to increase for whatever reason, right? And given those two things, you have this no pun or pun intended, I guess, in this case, but a perfect storm of issues where you've got more transactions and fewer people to be able to deal with and sort with. And so, so whenever you see those kind of inefficiencies, that's where an insure tech startup or a startup tends to go in and say, hey, I see a pain. Let me go and see if right. I can solve it. So were you sitting around one day and saying, wow, if we could use measurements like this, that would be really cool. I mean, where did the inspiration come from? You know, what's interesting is we were dabbling with the actual name of the company is Smart Picture. Our Delaware C name, corporation name is called Smart Picture. So we had some technology where you could take a picture and if our marker, our patented marker was in the picture, which looked like a target, if it was in the picture, then we could measure everything from that picture in 2D and 3D. So imagine taking a picture of a corner of a room. And then from that corner of the room, I could literally measure everything in that picture. And you're taking a single 2D picture and you're able to derive 3D measurements out of it. And so effectively, we had a product without a market on that one. And so we started to go and experiment. We started looking at the remodeling world and they definitely needed something like that. We started looking at the insurance world, interior design, a window treatment. We started, we messed around a lot with the window treatment. But what we found was the biggest market, the biggest pain, the biggest opportunity for us was in the insurance world because of those two things that I mentioned before. The lack of people going into the market, the need for artificial intelligence or uh, new technology to help assist those people that are out there and, and enable additional business models that may improve customer satisfaction and then just the number of catastrophes increasing. So that's kind of how we ended up there. And so you started pushing down the road and somebody somewhere must have said, this is a great idea. Let's do this or let me try it. Or I mean, did you have a, a champion in the industry who jumped on board? You know, it's it's interesting on that one is. And so this goes to insure tech and carrier startups and things like that. So, yes, this past summer, we started actually in, in early 2017, we started raising money for our, our Series A. And we found that there are a lot of insure tech VCs out there, venture capitalists out there that were looking to invest in companies that were trying to assist carriers with new product, new technology. And so we found a champion in a, in a VC called Manchester Story. 
And they're actually out of Des Moines, Iowa, which, as you know, is an insurance hub. And they are actually backed by, I, I believe, 10 different uh, carriers themselves who have invested in them to go out and find new products and new technology that can help their bottom line, right? That can help their customer satisfaction, that can help their claims process, that can help, you know, it runs the gamut on, on the insurance side from new products and insurance to claims adjusting, right? And so they've really been a, a tremendous advocate for us in introducing us into the space and working with carriers, TPAs, independent claim companies, and independent adjusters alike. So that's really been a tremendous push for us. We're really interested in that. And this is the first time we've kind of pursued this line of questioning on our show. And that is, I, we think that a lot of people in our audience don't necessarily understand what it's like inside of an insure tech or what an insure tech is. I mean, I think in, a lot of people in the carrier world consider insure tech to be a category, which is not incorrect, right? I mean, that is correct. But it's also a bunch of businesses out there, you know, going as fast as they can to make a difference in the industry. And so tell us what it's like to get started. What does it mean? What does series A mean? What does series B mean? What do all these things we hear about these things and we see them touted by not just insurtechs, but by any technology company? Why does it matter? Give us a little background about being an insurtech. Sure. So if you're going to do a startup, right, you have two different methods for launching your Actually, you have several methods, but imagine this. Number one, you say, hey, I'm going to bootstrap this. I'm just going to, I'm going to fund myself, I'm going to pay myself, and I'm going to fund the activities to build up this organization. So that's one way startups can happen, right? Another way that startups can happen is just, I'm going to start a services company, and I'm going to let the services kind of build it out, and then I'm going to develop product along the way. And then more importantly, in the path that most insured tech startups go is, I'm going to take outside investment. And I'm going to start up a company. As a result of outside investment, they get a piece of the company. And typically what happens is you'll go out and it happens in various stages. And there's no right or wrong way to do it, to be honest with you. But you'll go out and you'll say, hey, look, I'm doing initial round. And some people call it a friends and family round or seed round. And you'll do an initial round and you'll get you know, those initial rounds, depending upon how big a market you're going after. For example, if you're doing SpaceX, right, you need, you need $100 million initial round, right? But for our software company, the, the costs of entry are so low that for us, our initial round was $1.6 million, okay? And so that was from angel investors and, and things like that. And that was a seed round, okay? And then that gets you going and, and you start working on it. And then once that money is exhausted or you see that you need to really put the pedal to the metal and pour some gas on it to expand, you go for the next round. So really when you hear the reference to seed round or series A or series B, all that means is a sequential, you know, uh, groupings of funding that you're making. And typically, if you're doing it right, the valuation of the company increases. Therefore, so for example, if on the first round, your company is worth $4 million, you're taking a million dollars. So that would be $4 million pre, $5 million post, you know, as you add in the million dollars to the valuation of the company, they're getting 25% of the company, and then you're moving on to the next level. And then the next time you do it, hopefully you're up at, you know, I don't know, $20 million or something like that. And then you would raise $5 million. So a good rule of thumb on venture rounds is you'll do 20% roughly, give up 20 to 25% of your company every time you do a, a round. And there's thousands and thousands of hours of podcasts devoted to that one little piece of, do I do a seed round? Do I do a series A? And how do I do it in the mechanics around that? And it's a really 
there's again, there's no one right or wrong way, but it's actually a really, really involved process. And from a startup perspective, I've done a number of these things. And from a startup perspective, it's kind of like, you know, how do I want this company to grow? So for us, we wanted, you know, we're a software company, so I don't need a hundred million dollars to grow. Right. And so our series A round was $2.2 million. So you add that up $3.8 million roughly. So roughly $4 million total to get to the point that we're at where we have real product, real customers and growing. So two rounds, series C, series A, and roughly $4 million. And hopefully on the next one, we'll, if we need to, unless we're cash flow positive and, and doing well we'll do another round. So everything varies. Right. And it probably depends on the maturity of your product and the acceptance into the marketplace. And I mean, there's a number of factors that figure in and probably also the opportunity that you see, right? Totally. I mean, if you have to race to get to an opportunity before somebody else gets there, those are probably all things that motivate you. That's exactly right. I mean, even right now, it's an absolute arms race to move as fast as you can on this interior. I mean, look at the exterior uh, world like you have drones, you have flyovers. So Geomni against Hover, against Eagle View, against what Ridgetop I think is one another one. You have a ton of the folks out there trying to to solve the same problem on the outside of the home, right? There's same things going on the inside. There's a ton of people, including Exact, right, that are coming in on the inside of the home too. So we have to move fast, and and you know we're a, a under twenty person firm who we move really, really fast, roll out new products. In fact, we just rolled out a new product, 3.0 product yesterday. And uh, we're just constantly iterating. And I mentioned computer vision and Lee, you mentioned machine learning. We've got a team of those folks that are are working on the automation because at the end of the day, what we're trying to do, think about this, at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is eliminate those simple but time-consuming efforts, right? And you can do that using Machine learning is where you have algorithms that determine methods, procedures, and things to go to the next step. And computer vision is so, for example, a good example of computer vision as it applies to us is as a person is going through and uh, doing a claim, why can't we automatically determine what kind of floor they have, what kind of wall they have, the texture, the floorboards, the baseboards, all those decisions that somebody explicitly has to make, why can't we automatically do that through looking at that picture? and that session. So that's fabulous, right? That's great stuff. Yeah. You know, I talk to a lot of insurance carriers about innovation and you're right on everybody's roadmap. It is. What about the inside, right? We have the outside. We have a lot of options to get all of the data from the outside, but what about the inside? And uh, you're right. It is a race. Uh, You are in that race now to become the platform to gather the inside information. But I like your roadmap because it's not just, Hey, we're going to give you measurements. We're going to think deeper. We're going to think further down the road on material identification, perhaps uh, amounts, things like that. So kudos to you on that. I think that's a great idea. Good. Yeah. And, and it's just context. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if you think about our system, it's really two different elements of context. One is what are the measurements of the room? So that's context, right? And two is I want to see that room. And so one of the things we generate is a 3D model with the pictures embedded in it. So you get all of the context and the visual context of the space. So that's really helpful. 
and just from a photo collection, you know, kind of orthogonal to the discussion, but just the data capture, the photo capture process for loss adjusters and license adjusters is completely broken right now. It just takes so long for them to transfer it from their devices into their computer and annotate and, and do everything. And so one of the benefits of our system is all of that photo capture system is completely automated for us, for you as well. And that saves half hour claim, if not more. So we've really tried to not only focus on the measurement piece of it, but the context piece of it too. Well, one of the things that we really like about you guys is that you do the inside. At our company, we primarily do day work. And in day work, you go into people's homes every day. And so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. good solutions, just looking out at the field of options and technology solutions that are out there. Like Lee said, there's lots for the exterior, but a good interior solution is very intriguing to us and very exciting for us. Yes, Lee? It is. And I don't want to stop us on just inside, right? Because planner is more than that. I saw a demo where you're able to measure the exterior of the home. Uh, Isn't that correct? Yeah, you can. So if you think about planner, planner can do a room or a wall, right? And what we're not doing though, is we're not doing a full house recognition, right? But sometimes, especially on wind damage, you'll look at the inside of the home will have water damage because a tree was pushed through it, a branch was pushed through it or something like that. But that single wall on the outside needs to be accounted for. And so you can do a single wall with our system. Yeah. Yeah. It's not something that we're, you know, our main push is for inside the home, but guess what? You know, if you're just doing a single wall, you can do it. And then one of the things that we showed at ITC was, the ability to do a peak roof outside and yeah, so you can modify it. Like those roofs are really high. No one wants to climb up there. So just that side wall with the peak roof, you can go quickly, mark it off, boom, 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 and suddenly and take a picture, eliminate the windows from it. And suddenly you have the square footage with one side of the house. So yeah, it works that way as well. Andy, we are so grateful that you are with us today and so excited to get all this information. And there's another favor we'd like to ask you while we still have you on. Sure. And that is, we'd like to check in with you periodically and talk about the progress of the company, talk about the journey of an InsurTech, because we look at you and we consider you a kind of a pure InsurTech play. And I think a lot of people in our audience, a lot of people that work for carriers don't necessarily understand all the ups and downs and ins and outs and things that have to happen in order to make this thing successful. And we're hoping that you'll join us again and talk about the journey, not only of your product, but just of the whole experience. I'd love to. You know, one of the things about uh, InsureTech and just startups in general is, you know, there's a lot of high highs and there's a lot of really low lows, right? We've got, you know, I found this bug. Oh, that's really a problem. Or, you know, this it's not acting the way it should for a customer or whatever you want, or, hey, we closed this one big deal. So startups are very <laughs> emotional, to say, the, to say the least. But one of the things I have learned is try to keep it even. Uh, we've got a lot of folks that it can impact you emotionally. Startups are tough on the family. Startups are tough on you emotionally. You know, you're going, in a lot of cases, without salary for a long time. You're, <laughs> you're definitely paid less than the market. And all with the hope that you're building something that is going to be valuable and is really helping the market out there. And so hopefully next time I talk to you, you know, we're going through this progression of win after win after win. But, you know, as long as you can do two steps forward, one step back, and as long as you continue to move it ahead, you know, that's the most important thing. And I will say like for anyone out there 
for anyone out there looking to do a startup, the most important thing for a startup is making sure that you're still on the playing field, that you haven't run out of money, that, that you can continue pushing ahead. Because once you're out of money, game over. But if you're on the playing field, you may just be getting tackled nonstop, right? And getting sacked nonstop, to use a, a football metaphor. But, but you're still there, and the clock is still running, and you can still play. And so for us, we've had a couple you know, where the, the clock is running out and we've gotten some bonus time and you get the funding and you continue on. And so, so we've had a couple really, really successful, if you will, moments that turn the tide for us. And as long as you keep on playing, you can still win. And so that's a good lesson for folks. We're big believers in your product and I'll go as far as saying in you as well. I mean, and Lee has been to InsureTech twice. My first time was last year. But one of the things that he noted was, wow, there's a lot of companies that were here last year that aren't here this year. And I think they fell victim to exactly what you're talking about. And so we're going to let you go so you can get back on your bike and pedal as fast as you can. <laughs> That's a great, great visual. That's exactly what we do here. Okay. Well, at least you're in good shape. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, at least we're uh, pushing ahead and still in good shape as a result. So, yeah. Well, we thank you so much, Andy. It was a pleasure speaking with you today. All right, gentlemen. Appreciate the time. We'll look forward to next time. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey, Lee. Yeah, Rob. I thought that was pretty darn interesting. I did too. I thought we were able to get a lot of great insight into these insured techs, into kind of what all they go through, and then just really interesting about Planner. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty solid solution, it seems to me. Yeah. I like the roadmap. I like for where they're going. I like the thought of taking those photos, using machine learning, figuring out what materials are in the home. Uh, how great would it be to be able to take a picture, use this application to say you have 400 square feet of bamboo flooring? Wow. Wow. What about taking it to the next level, right? 400 square feet of bamboo flooring that can be found at the Home Depot over on I-35. Wow. You know, we run a program at 470 called the Expediter Program. And in it, it's kind of the in-between space between a straight desk adjustment, a fast track desk adjustment, and a full adjustment where a regular adjuster is sent into the field. And so they're not fully trained or fully licensed adjusters at all. And products like this would really enable expediters, lower skilled data collectors to really expand the scope of things that they could do. Absolutely. What it does, it, it gives the desk adjuster all the information in one place to write that estimate. Because that's the issue, right, is getting the data out of the field to create appropriate and a correct estimate. Yeah. And, you know, I like Andy a lot. Oh, Andy's a great guy. I met Andy at InsureTech. I've actually met Andy in our office in the past just a, a really great guy. Good, good, good family man. Uh -huh. And the insight that he had about startups and raising money and going fast, all very interesting. As you've seen in your work, in your regular day job, uh, these insure tech companies don't necessarily stick. They don't necessarily make it. Well, and, and we, we talked to so many of them who say, we just got $2 million, we just got $50 million, just got $100 million. You know, it, it's interesting to know, what does that mean? What are you doing with that? Why did you get that money? 
Uh, so I thought that was neat to understand the difference in seed money, which is, you know, families and friends to, to series A, B, and so forth. Right. And this Manchester story that he mentioned, very interesting that it's made up of interested companies in the insurance space who want to promote and move these kind of companies along. So to get an investment from them is really an important validation. I understand more now that why so many of these tech companies advertise something that's kind of a private piece of information, and that is somebody invested in my company. But the reason to talk about it is because it's a validation that outside organizations believe in you. Right. And in this example, it's not just an outside organization or a venture capitalist. It's somebody who is invested heavily in the industry, who is backed by insurance carriers, who will eventually be users of the platform. Right. And we'll have Andy on again. We've spoken to Andy about being a somewhat regular guest so that we can kind of track the life of an insure tech and see how it goes, the ups and downs, like he said in the interview. It's an emotional roller coaster. So it'll be interesting to hear how things go. And that is it for us. Thank you so much for listening once again. We appreciate you taking the time and having the interest to listen in and stick with us next week. Who, who, who's next? We have Gary Sullivan. Gary Sullivan is next. Gary Sullivan, formerly of Erie Insurance, now in academia, teaching risk management at Mercyhurst University. Gary will be our guest and bring a really interesting perspective as a former carrier employee and lifer who's now outside of that and in the academia. So until next time, bye-bye podcast world. Bye everybody.